the anchor app on and we're ready to panic panic it's always a panic attack when i light the stogie and we get into it here on the podcast and the youtube channel also i'm on twitter at the real big john and facebook panic attack with big john so let me grab my lucky notepad here see what i wrote down the first thing i want to talk about is i've often said that there's shadiness in washington dc corruption uh trump calls it the swamp uh but Today on the radio, I was uh, li- listening, obviously, to the radio, and uh, I heard the, the uh, reporter or whatever said, four United States senators, and as soon as I heard those words, I thought, oh man, four senators have been uh, diagnosed with corona, here goes my welfare check from the government, I was finally going to get a welfare check, <laughs> but... No, uh, Bloomberg News and other sources reporting U.S. senators sold stock after coronavirus briefings in January. Now, this is when, uh, you know, Trump was just getting ready to, or maybe he had just closed down uh, air travel between the United States and China. Because he had just closed it off or was getting ready to. He also um, was uh, uh, getting ready to take measures and briefing the, the Senate and the Congress. These were private meetings. Nothing was supposed to leave the briefing room. Okay. Uh, The article says four U.S. senators sold stock after receiving sensitive briefings in late January about the emerging threat of the coronavirus, sparking concerns that they put safeguards, put safeguarding their private finances before their duty to protect the public. So, sparking concerns that they put safeguarding their private finances before their duty to protect the public. The senators were Richard Burr, Republican, North Carolina, Kelly Loeffler, Republican, Georgia. Both completed their sales at a time when the Trump administration and GOP leaders were downplaying the potential damage the virus might cause in the U.S. before before drastic stock market plunges set off by the pan were set off by the panic. Burr, Senate uh, President of Senate Intelligence Committee, receives frequent briefings about threats facing the country. Two other members of the Intelligence Committee, 
uh, Senator Dianne Feinstein, Democrat, California. She's a rich old broad. Senator James Inhofe, I-N-H-O-F-E, an Oklahoma Republican, also sold also sold stock after the briefings, according to financial records. Uh, their uh, congressmen and senators and, and people are required to make financial reports. Loeffler did not make any sales from January 6th until the 24th, the day the health committee she sits on held a briefing that included presentations from top-level U.S. public health health officials, uh, including Dr. Anthony uh, Fauci, F-A-U-C-I, how you spell his last name. She and her husband began selling 27 stocks on January 24th, according to their financial disclosure form, including investments in AutoZone and Ross stores worth millions of dollars Loeffler's stock sales were first reported by the Daily Beast. Uh, baseless attack, Loeffler responded. Burr sold 33 stocks on February 13th, according to his financial disclosure form, with a total of between 600, 628000 and $1.7 His stock sales were first reported by ProPublica. P-R-O-P-U-B-L-I-C-A. Three of these assets he stole were in hotel companies, which hotels are empty right now. Uh, three of these assets he sold were in hotel companies, which have seen their values plummet as the corona threat has drastically curtailed travel. Uh, his office says the sales were unrelated to any information, <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, economy reeling with the virus now spreading, its death toll rising, the global economy reeling. News of the stock sales brought angry calls for Burr to resign. Well, I think all four of them need to resign. Uh, I, over and over again, I, I've talked with friends of mine uh, and very, you know, whatever, whoever I'm gabbing with about politics. Uh, I've said it on podcasts, I've said it on the YouTube, that these people go to Washington with normal incomes, normal salaries, and they come out millionaires. How does that happen? This is how it happens. They get briefings on many, many different things. All of which affect the economy in some way or another. And they buy stocks, buy these things, and, you know, buy companies, you know, start companies, uh, some write memoirs, which nothing wrong with writing your memoir, but they get these business opportunities passed by them. 
And the ones that are the uh, richest and probably the most corrupt are the ones that have been in there longest. Uh, I know Feinstein... Pardon me. Senator Feinstein has been there forever. She's an antique. Uh, this Burr guy doesn't look young, but I mean, I don't. He's not someone that's on my radar. But uh, let's look here. I, if you're on uh, YouTube, I will put uh, co their contact information in the uh, description. But senators, I'm going to read, read their names because they, they need to resign or the Senate um, Ethics Committee needs to take a look at these people. Senator Richard Burr, Republican, North Carolina. Senator Kelly Loeffler, L-O-E-F-F-L-E-R, Republican, Georgia. Good on here, Ted. Democrat Senator Dianne Feinstein of California and Senator James Inhofe, I-N-H-O-F-E is how you spell his last name, Republican from Oklahoma. Those four people need to resign or be run out of the Senate however the Senate handles its ethics violations. Because... These are the people, the types of people that take taxpayer jobs, uh, being, being a senator, that's a job, okay? It's not royalty, it's not uh, a, a seat of power, I mean it's become that, but it's supposed to be a public service which you are elected to. And they take these seats and they turn them into a way to make themselves rich. And opportunities are thrown at them by businesses and lobbyists uh, to line their own pockets, line the pockets of the senators and other people. And I think this is why you see some of these folks hanging on for so long, like Nancy Pelosi, who is, I hate to pick on the elderly because I'm, I'm not that kind of person. I, I mean, if she were, you know, my neighbor, you know, like my 90-some-odd-year-old neighbor and needed my help, I would help her. But she should not be in her 80s and being in the United States Senate. And I don't know how old Nancy is. She might only be in her late 70s. But she should not be a U.S. senator at this point of her life. Um, I'm not saying that a younger person would automatically do a better job because they're younger or you know we need our elders to teach us and pass knowledge down and but they're not doing that they're staying in there to keep their butts covered so that this corruption and you know insider trading does not get exposed for one and two they're used to the lavish pampered lifestyle they've gotten and they're afraid that if they lose their precious Senate or congressional seat or whatever that they're going to lose that power. Now it is a good thing that for the most part in the executive branch we have a term limit 
for example, the president gets two four-year terms. Uh, most governors are two four-year terms. But the Senate and the Congress and the, the legislative branch, I do not believe, should be term-limited because then the lobbyists really come in and really extort their power and say, you know what, you know, yeah, you're, you're a congressman now. Uh, you're in a swing district, a district that's up for grabs. We'll just wait you out and get the next one. Or you're term limited, so you've got two more years left. We'll just wait you out and get the next guy. That's what they do in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, there was a, a famous speaker of the House of Representatives a few years back. Um, been around politics forever. Uh, he was term limited. And Ohio, after you set out so many terms, you can then run again for your state legislature seat. He did so. And when he went back, he still did well. He still led, but the game had changed. The lobbyist would literally tell him, this is first-hand knowledge of mine, they would literally say to him, well, you know what, you won't do our, our casino gambling in Ohio. We'll just wait you out and get the next guy. So, you know, if you don't like, you know, corruption, if you don't like... Um, corporate corporate control uh, if you don't like money changing hands then you don't you don't like term limits uh, we already have term limiting it's called voting and it's called participating in your government if you don't like what your elected leaders are doing you can get out there and run for office if you're a reasonably intelligent person uh, and well, you would not don't you need to be that anymore. But the heck, I was an elected official, and look at me. Uh, we uh, we have to be active in government. We have to be proactive. We have to vote, and it's power to the people. You can prevent government corruption quite easily by voting and by being active and knowing you know, shit from a hole in the ground. You know what I'm saying? No, you don't. Read your news. Instead of watching crap on TV and YouTube like I do, <laughs> read your newspaper. Watch the news a little bit. Read the editorial page of the New York Times and then read the editorial page of the Wall Street Journal. Watch... CNN's supposed coverage of the news and then watch Fox News is 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 Fox, how many s's and apostrophe are in Fox News is Fox News opinion of the news um, and then you'll get both sides of the argument so that that's how how we got a role in this country it's our country. Alright, don't matter if you're red, yellow, black, or white. It's ours. Don't matter if you're little green. Well, if you're a little green man from Mars, I guess it's not your country. But if you were a little green man from Mars, 
and you came to America and you became a naturalized citizen, then it's your, your country too. So we've got to be active and we've got to keep these scallywags on their toes and we've got to fire these four corrupt crooks to set uh, a precedent and a message for the, the rest of the crooks and the, the, the gators and the, the mollusks and whatever the hell else lives in swamps. Swamp rats, there we go. That's the word I was looking for. Rest of the swamp rats down there in Washington. So, with that, let's move on to another topical. Topical topic. We're going to talk about right now. Where's bloom boxes? No. You, no, we're not going to talk about bloom it? boxes, Joe. About them I I've got too many, too many things running on a slow computer. But um, I put. Headquarters was powered by one. Knock it off. It's a good thing. Don't you guys get so much entertainment out of the fact that I do not edit these videos? So every screw up I make, every breath I take is just out there for the world. Um, I want to talk about um, something I called out for on social media, face on Facebook. Um, and at least it talked. It's a part of this Corona deal. Um, People were talking about, uh, well, let me adjust myself. <laughs> Sorry, I was sitting, for those on the podcast, I was scooting up in my seat, not anything gross. Um, so, um, a guy that I don't like posted something on Facebook to a friend of mine and said that uh, you're, I'm paraphrasing, you're one of those people that Trump could shoot someone in the middle of Fifth Avenue and you would still vote for him, end of paraphrase. And I responded back, you know, Trump is doing such a good job, he could shoot me in the middle of Fifth Avenue and I'd still vote for him. The United States is doing better than any comparable uh, nation on earth. And the reason I said that is this. There are not a lot of nations that are comparable to the United States in size and scope of economy, uh, in the way our people are... Uh, I want to say this: our our popula our population is at some in some points very close together, and in other points very spread out. So it's a whole different set of issues when you are dealing with the United States versus dealing with, say, Italy. Uh, I would have thought that you know it would have been easier for the Italian government to uh, control a country that's the size and smaller than some of our states. 
than it would be for the president to control the entire United States. Okay. Um, we've got these... Well, okay, let me not get ahead of myself. Let's just take the top 10 airports in the world. Okay. Out of the top 10, we're the only nation with four airports in the top 10. Okay. And that makes four points of entry for a foreign virus. Now, that's just, we have way more than four airports that have international flights coming in in the United States, of course. But when you compare us to the rest of the world, we're the only country with four airports in the top ten. Okay? And there are some other great countries in that top ten. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying that the United States is better than everywhere else. I'm just saying that it's a different set of circumstances. We, there are more ways for this novel virus to enter the United States than there are most other countries. Okay? Millions of millions of travelers coming to and from the United States daily. And other countries have that as well. But... We have people from all over the world. You know, some are puddle jumpers. They're going from Chicago to New York to uh, back across the pond. They're coming from across the pond to New York to Chicago to Los Angeles. Uh, they're coming in from China to L.A. to Chicago to New York. You know, they're hitting two, three, four airports within the United States. At, at a given time and you know these four major airports get you know jumbo jets in that are you know flowing straight across the ocean from another nation and so there's more to handle okay you know we they're worried about these respirators do we have enough respirators there's no respirator shortage right now in the united states because there is no respirator demand right now. And like in Italy, you know, they're making decisions on who lives and who dies right now. We're not at that point in the United States. As soon as the facts came the facts came in that there was something really bad going on in this Wuhan province in Japan, or China, pardon me, um, President Trump shut down travel from uh, this Wuhan to the United States. If you were coming from Wuhan, you had to get a screening and you were detained, I do believe. He shut down travel from China to the United States very quickly. He's working with state and government officials to handle this. Everybody is just so heck bent on everything's got to be done from the federal government. Oh my God, that's the way Europe does it. 
That's the way they do it in Europe. Europe is not a country. Even the European Union was not a, a nation like the United States. Okay? Europe is many countries, little countries, on a continent. Europe is a continent. It is not a, a cohesive government unit governing over 50 individual states. Okay? So Donald Trump is leaving matters up to the states. The calls on, do you need to shut down everything in your state like California did, which I feel is an overstep of government? Do we need to close bars and restaurants like Ohio and Pennsylvania? Okay, uh, ordering medical supplies and things. He's leaving that to the states because that has always been the state's job. And then the federal government, through its uh, branches like, well, FEMA's not a branch of government, through its bureaucracy like FEMA, is coming in and helping. Through the CDC, the Center for Disease Control, they're coming out with suggestions to make to the states and make to the American people. Okay, and it's working marvelously. This virus is not spread as rampant as it did in China. Now, if you look at some place like South Korea, okay, they have a concentration of population, populace around Seoul. Then it's very loosely spread around the country. So that one condensed population area is quite easy for the government to control in that center around Seoul. But you get outside of that, and it's very rural. People aren't social spreading the disease. Okay? That's what they're talking about here in the United States. Social spread social contagiousness okay the united states we have population centers like cleveland ohio smaller ones like youngstown ohio but you have a lot of people packed into one area it's the rural counties in ohio pennsylvania they're not seeing as many cases pop up because not as many people are crammed into one area okay You've got New York City with a huge outbreak. New York State, they have several large cities. So there's a, lot, a very big outbreak there. California, they have a lot of major cities. Los Angeles, 4 million people in one area. To go like 20 mile, from 20 miles outside of Los Angeles into the city of Los Angeles is an hour drive. Because there's so much traffic packed in to one area. So that means there's a lot of people there. So therefore, the disease is going to spread faster in Los Angeles than it would in, uh, say, a county like mine that has 100,000 people, if, if that. You know, so this is a socially spread disease. Uh, when someone sneezes on you, coughs on you, uh, at first they said if someone just merely breathes on you, 
you could get this illness, this uh, Wuhan virus, China virus, coronavirus, whatever you want to call it. This could affect you, but it's going to affect people that are packed in tight together. China, with this billion people packed into Pardon me, cigar break. With its billions of people packed into a very small area, it's going to spread rapidly. Now, their, their communist government is so powerful, they can shut things down very, pardon me, very quickly. But the fact of the matter is, the United States is a different beast. We're very rugged individualistic. To get us to listen to government orders is not easy. And the, the government has done a good job of getting us to follow orders. This is one of the few times I'll give mass media credit. They've even done a good job of scaring us inside. At first I made fun of this, but now I see it, it's true. It, it was a good move, even though it, it seemed to be inducing panic where panic was not needed. Okay. Uh, but information and knowledge was needed. But I will stick by this. Trump has handled this marvelously. It can be debated and argued what measures other leaders have taken to see, you know, who's done the best job. But I do believe Donald Trump has handled this as good as any president could have. And better than President Obama and Vice President Biden handled SARS and H1N1 flu. So, that being said, thank you for listening to me. Remember to pray for one another, and God bless you. Have a great, great day.